On this week's episode of Making Sense of the Sens, Eric Carlson is still an Ottawa senator. We talk all the ramifications of the trade deadline. We discuss the letter to the fans from Eugene Melnick, a prospect roundup on On the Farm, and much, much more. Hey, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Sen Central. Players on the bench yeah, are helping Herme get his glove off. Wow, this is weird. That is really weird. So Potvin and Herme, the goaltenders. Bob, I hate to laugh, but I don't. <laughs> I've never seen this before. It was smart by Herme. He knew he couldn't get his glove off. Hello and welcome. It's episode 35. Of course, you heard Yanni Erme off the top. If you don't quite recall that fight, it was against Felix Pope and the Los Angeles Kings all the way back in 2001. If you haven't seen it, you have to go onto YouTube and look at it. Absolutely hilarious stuff as four senators on the bench tried to help Erme get his glove off. And once they did, it unloaded the cannon. A flurry of punches right in the face of Felix the Cat. It would have been cooler if he was still on the Toronto Maple Leafs when that fight happened. Get a little Battle of Ontario into it. But nevertheless, I digress. It's episode 35. It's Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan, and it's Chris Parliament with me today. What's up, guys? And Brandon Piller as well. Hello, hello. Jeremy Houston still on a hiatus ever since the Eric Carlson trade talk. He does not like that one bit. Brendan Purdy's here, so we'll get to Prairie Fire in just a little while. Before we get to the sad reality that is the Ottawa Senators at the moment, let's take that Yanni Erme and turn it into our favorite Senators goalie fights of all time. Ray Emery versus Andrew Peters and Marty Biron. And right now, Ray Emery could absolutely murder him. If Biron is smart, he'll stop throwing punches. Emery's trying to help him back up so he can pump him some more. Marty Biron just threw a punch at Ray Emery, and he's Ray Emery is saying, let's do it again. And now Andrew Peters has come in on Ray Emery, and Emery's got a smile, and Peters better be careful. Oh, this is not right here, folks. This is not right. Somebody should come to the defense of Ray Emery. What an unfair fight this is. For who? Emery's still smiling and laughing at this one. Give me a two for one, and I'm a happy guy. Yeah, Chris, you you definitely took mine there. That nothing makes me more satisfied than watching a goalie fight, and Ray Emery's just got the biggest grin on oh, his yeah. face after he just battled with Biron. Peters comes at him, and it kind of looks like things are dying down. It doesn't look like there's actually potential. And Ray Emery is just loving it. And he says, yeah, I'll, I'll go again. Why not? And then fights Peters, too. Like, this guy was ruthless, Ray Emery. And I kind of miss the guy. He he added a lot of fun on and off the ice to the Ottawa Senators. Fun fact, my parents' dogs named after Ray Emery. What do you think he preferred to do? <laughs> stop pucks or throw punches? He, drive, loved, he loved them both. Drive white Hummer H2s. He actually missed a flight because that white Hummer got in an accident on the Queensway on his way to the airport. Had to meet make Jason Spezza pick him up at the airport in New Jersey on that 07 playoff run. A uh, couple buddies that uh, I think may have had a little too much fun in Ottawa in their younger years. But nevertheless, it's still a good time. And I think recency bias played into yours, Chris. I do love a good Ray Emery fight. He did fight Chris Gratton, a player, 
as well when he was with the Binghamton Senators. Got a decisive win. Hockeyfights.com had him winning the fight with Chris Gradden at an 80% clip. I can only imagine it was a much higher uh, number against the Buffalo Sabres. And he wasn't done fighting after his time in Ottawa. We also remember the Braden Holtby Ray Emery fight oh, in his time yeah. in Philadelphia. And when he beat up that Russian trainer for trying to put a hat on his head after he pulled. Nobody touches Ray Emery's bald head but Ray Emery and probably Keisha Shanti as well. Uh, for my favorite Senators goalie hockey fight, I'm bringing it down to bingo. Robin Lanner versus Riku. can't really pronounce Hellenius. this guy. Hellenius. That's hilarious. Lanner loses his headgear. He's Bacher down. Koharski restraining him. And here comes Rico Hellenius. And here comes Hellenius. We're going to have a goalie fight. A good old goalie fight. Here we go, Grady. Uh-oh. Here they're squaring off at the blue line. Leonard and Hellenius are throwing bombs here. Look at this. It's, oh, what a number. Oh, Leonard with their tremendous oh. right hands. And down goes Hellenius. Oh, Robin Leonard's a big guy, and I know we've all seen that classic picture of Leonard when he's absolutely furious as a Buffalo Sabre, and it just it just terrifies you just seeing his eyes. Now imagine trying to fight this guy, and this is Robin Leonard when he's trying to fight for his career. He's trying to make a name for himself, and he was angry and fired up. And he absolutely destroyed Riku here, and I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, Leonard, we all know the Leonard eyes that uh, were going around. That guy can get in one in a hurry. And he's an animal. I don't know if you remember this, but he almost wore an old-style, like, plastic mask (laughs) for the outdoor game this year. He wore it to practice. And took one puck in the face and said, no, I can't do this. And his off-ice, his weirdness also translates to off-ice. Apparently, he's got a plethora of dogs. I'm a big fan of the French Bulldogs he has. But he also has piranhas that he named after the Ottawa Beat Riders. So, little Bruce swimming around in a tank there. And and Brent Wallace and all those guys. I'm sure it's all in good fun, though. Um Patrick Lalim got in a couple scraps in his time in Ottawa. There was the one against Byron Defoe uh, when he was with the Boston Bruins. But how can you not love his fight against Robert Ash for so many reasons? Ash comes in, so Lalim comes down ice. They're going to go. Well, Ash won't take the mask off. Lalim does it for him. Lalim gets the sweater over top of the head of Ash, but he falls down. Now Ash tries to get another hand over the top. This might be what the Senators needed. Old-time hockey's back in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a great scrap. And the key, the key to a goalie fight for me, though, is the goalies have to be locking eyes all the way from crease to crease. You got to get some. You got to get some hand movements going. You got to get the gestures. And then once both of them know it's on and they meet at center ice, I don't think there's a better moment because at that point, no one cares about all the little side fights and the linesmen trying to break up the brawls in the corner. All eyes are locked on the two goalies at center ice. And usually, these goalies don't know what they're doing. Most of them, they're not ready to fight. They, they, they're not used to fighting in goalie equipment. So it's just an all-out brawl, and that's the best. Okay, let me get back to this game against the Philadelphia Flyers because you may remember it, and with the way the NHL is is translating to more speed skill, you're not getting these big brawls anymore. This may stand as the most penalty minutes 
in the history of an NHL game. There was a total of 419 penalty minutes in a 5-3 win for the Philadelphia Flyers. You had Zdeno Chera pick up 27 minutes in penalties, Wade Redden 25 minutes, Mike Fisher 29, Sean Van Allen 25, Jason Spezza 35 minutes in penalties. He got into a wicked fight with another youngster at the time, Patrick Sharp, who they were teammates last year actually in Dallas. I'm sure they had a couple laughs about that. But And then Robert Ash getting into it with uh, Patrick Halim. I thought that was absolutely fantastic stuff. I mean, that's two points on the board for Philadelphia. That's their style of play, am I right? Chris Neal uh, with a fight and a goal. So the first of many, I'd imagine, back in 2004. That was fun, but the Senators' season is not. With the trade deadline gone, lots of new faces in the system, I guess, if you want to call draft picks faces. But the Senators did a good job acquiring three draft picks, including this year's first rounder from Pittsburgh. Underrated part of that first rounder. Not like we were ever going to cheer for the Penguins, but all Sens fans are now actively cheering against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The quicker they're eliminated from the playoffs, the higher that draft pick becomes for the Ottawa Senators. They also acquired number one goaltending prospect, Philip Gustafson, from the Pittsburgh Penguins. We touched on that trade. It had happened before our last podcast. So uh, if you want, listen to episode 34. We cover that in great detail. They weren't that busy on trade deadline day, and a lot of people think that's because all the focus was on a potential Eric Carlson trade. How happy are we that Eric Carlson remains an Ottawa Senator for now? I was ecstatic. I put the jersey back up on the wall after our trade deadline show we did here. It was great. I mean, this is the guy you build around, and I honestly believe he is signing a max contract and staying with the Ottawa Senators now that trade deadline's gone. Man, that... That would be the best for Sens fans, probably for Carlson too. If the Senators really need to show that they're able to pony up and put their money where their mouth is when a franchise guy is ready to re-sign and, and wants to commit to the city and to the team. They haven't been able to do it in the past, and they need to show free agents, uh, draft draft-eligible players that the Senators are a place where you can spend your whole career, you can blossom into an elite player, and you can buy a house there and stay there for the rest of your career. That's the kind of thing that a lot of guys, especially with families, take. they hold a lot of value in that. And going across the league, I don't want to get too far away from this because obviously we're going to stay on this topic for a long time, but it's the same thing with John Tavares. Knowing now that the Nassau is coming back to Long Island, it's not going to be that long drive anymore that's going to be huge in him re-signing with this team it's not exactly the same situation but you got to think LeBreton Flats coming Eric might want to stay for that be the poster boy of this franchise for a long time and I honestly think he will be but let's dive a little bit deeper into this we do have some very respected insiders around here from major networks I'm not going to drop any names but I did talk to one of the insiders and it was very interesting what I got out of him. He said that Vegas was the only team that was really in it because they were the only team willing and able to take on Bobby Ryan's contract. When I asked him who would be in return, he said, you can't guess. Nobody knows, but you can't guess which kind of names, picks were in this. But even with Bobby Ryan's contract in the deal, Pierre Dorian knew that he could get five pieces. And this was the most interesting part of the conversation for me. He said, when you think of this deal... You don't know what's coming in return. 
unless you look back in history. So he said, Chris, think about the Chris Pronger deal in 2006. He was the best defenseman in the league at the time when he got moved from Edmonton to Anaheim, and he got Joffrey Lupul, Ladislav Smead, two first-round picks, and a second-rounder. So well, we, the, we should mention that at the time, Ladislav Smead was seen as a, a very budding, oh, promising yeah, defenseman. Lupul. Yeah, those were big pieces in that deal. Lupul actually was traded twice for Pronger throughout his career. <laughs> but getting back to this, at the time, he was the best D-man in the league, and he got five big pieces in return. Dorian knew he had that in a defenseman that was much younger, even with Bobby Ryan's contract, from the inside source. Five pieces at least were expected in return. Yeah, the rumor from Elliot Friedman on his on his thirty thoughts was that Vegas offered two first round picks, an additional first round pick if Carlson re-signed, and their pick of any top prospect in the Vegas system. So once we got past what the deal would look like, I started asking kind of what this like how hot is the water in Ottawa? I started off by asking, is there an issue between Pierre Dorian and Eric Carlson? The answer was quickly, no, there's never been an issue there, and those two are very close, which it seems like it is on the surface. He agreed with me that Melnick is the issue, so I asked the question, is it fixable? And he said, very. So so time will tell. Eugene Melnick just put out a letter to season ticket holders today, basically just commiserating with the fact that this season did not go the way any Senators fan, uh, or player for that matter, anybody associated with the organization, but that they want to get back to the early 2000s, mid-2000s, where this was a perennial every single year they had a chance to win the Cup. And and it's great that they didn't deal Carlson because now it gives you time to try to mend that relationship. You have a couple months now to to sit down with Carlson and really go through this new plan that Dorian has that he pitched to Melnick and that obviously gave him a better chance at having an extension. Now you've got time to try to work it And then you can really clear your heads, clear the space, figure out where each side is at, Carlson and the franchise, and then you make a decision. Is this something that's going to work for both of us, or do we need to uh, split ways? And if you do, you need to do that in the most effective way and the most thought-out way. And this is a big time in Eric Carlson's life. You know, you think about hockey as a business, but these guys have lives. Eric Carlson's expecting a baby. Is and he's right now he's wondering where am I going to raise this kid? And for him saying he loves Ottawa so much, I think this is a big time for him. His wife's from there too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, we've got the clip actually. So here's what Eric Carlson said when he finally spoke to the media for the first time in about a week. Hearing your name being thrown around as much as it was, uh, you know, it's very stressful and not something that uh, I enjoyed going through. Uh, you know, I love it here. I've always loved it here. I think that uh, you know the city of Ottawa is really. Uh, you know, made it home for me. I think that uh, I love everything about it. I love the fans, and and you know, I'm pleased where I'm where I'm at. And, and uh, you know, I signed a long-term deal for a reason. Those are pretty exciting words for a Suns fan to hear. It really kind of lays the landscape down for what he feels and thinks. And like I said, with a baby coming, but I just kind of want to go back to the Melnick letter to the fans very quickly. In a situation like that, at a leader of an organization, you would rather see the word "we" than "I" more often. But in this case, I actually had a lot of respect for Melnick, the amount of times he said the word I, because he was pointing the finger at himself a lot of the times. And looking in the mirror sometimes, it's tough to, when a situation goes this awry, to come up and say, I'm part of the issue. But he did that, and it looks like he does have steps in place to move forward. Well, I can't really point the finger at 
too many other people as he's fired most of them or they've left on not great terms. So, I mean, the turmoil, there's no debt. We don't know what the specifics are of any of these alleged rumors. I'm sure some of them are absolutely a joke like this. The thing that was going around about him going into a dressing room mid-game and talking about Uber costs of a trip and also who spends $350 on an Uber. Like, did he go from Ottawa to Belleville for practice or something? <laughs> Eric like, Carlson's the man. <laughs> he, can, he can spend as much as he wants on an Uber ride. Well, the thing is, how much is is too much? Is there is there such thing in terms of an extension for Eric Carlson? I thought you were talking about Uber costs. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of an extension, no, I think you give this guy the max contract. So the way the NHL is going right now, you have to build around elite pieces and this is an elite piece so I'm going to play completely devil's advocate I don't even really believe myself but how how much if any does the two major surgeries that Eric Carlson's had on his ankles for a guy whose explosiveness is his greatest attribute how much does that affect giving him an eight year contract Ross for me it does worry me a bit especially like you said Carlson's an explosive guy he made a name for himself by his ability to join in on a rush. And then lots of defensemen can join in on a rush. That's great. But how fast can you get back once you've joined in on a rush and the play's now behind you? You've missed or the shot hit the post and went wide. Now the other team's got a fast break back. We've seen countless times Carlson is the guy who leads the rush. And then somehow he's the first guy back as well. That's the kind of skill and speed and explosiveness that that has gotten him to be one of the best defensemen of this generation but when you look at the injuries that he's had the ankle the achilles those are those are key body parts uh that are used when you're pivoting when you're when you're going from 0 to 100 when you're stopping quickly when you're when you're rotating all those all those key things start at the lower part of your body right there so I think it's not going to be a problem in the near future, but once you start hitting year four, year five, year six of that max contract, that's when it becomes a problem. But that's the cost of business. And if you want to keep... Eric Carlson is the most valuable to the Ottawa Senators. He's more valuable as a franchise guy to the Ottawa Senators than he is if he went to another team because of what he's done here, because of what he means to the fans, and because of how he's branded this Ottawa Senators franchise. It's it's worth it to keep a guy like Carlson around for those great years and pay for the bad years if they come. Yeah, and he just hit a milestone, 500 on a beautiful goal, reminiscent of last year against New York in the playoffs. He like, loves that angle. Oh, it's, I love it when he goes for that angle. But I just kind of want to talk about, you say that these injuries, they, they set you back and it's tough to come back from. I agree with that. And they're tough injuries, but they're also freak injuries. And this is injuries where it comes up, but it's not going to happen again. And I that's where I feel better about the situation because you look at injuries that do happen or do start to reoccur and you look at superstar players, well, you don't have to look much further than Sidney Crosby, who's had some of the biggest injuries, most notable injuries in the last 10 years, to the head, where it's a lot more often that they're reoccurring. And he's still the best player in the world. So the way that modern science is going, I mean, I don't want to flip the script too much, but Marcus Stroman came back from tearing an ACL in one season. These guys, like the way things are going, I just really think that Eric Carlson is one of those guys where you can just battle through it and continue to play at the top because 
going back to Sidney Crosby, you change your game. You adapt to the NHL. The way they see the game, elite players, changes the way they play the game. So that's really going to help him in the long run. It's going to be really interesting to see what goes on in the summer in terms of negotiations. If it even gets to July 1st, there was an if when Pierre Dorian spoke about uh, potentially bringing his captain back for the final year of his contract. Um, The roster at this point, it seems like it's very in flux, but at the same time, there's not that injection of youth that you would expect to see on a team who's sitting in 29th place with teams closing in. Like the Buffalo Sabres now only sit one point behind the Ottawa Senators for dead last in the Eastern Conference. Should mention that the Sens have two games in hand on Buffalo. But when Tom Pyatt's lining up on the top line at practice, I don't care if it's just practice or if that's how the game's going to start in Vegas on Friday. Would you like to see a bit more youth injected in this lineup for the final 20 games? Definitely, Ross. And we've talked about it a couple times. The guy I want to see on the top line with Hoffman and Duchesne is Colin White. He spent some time there. He's good. He's developed chemistry. And I don't like the narrative of sending Colin White down to get him more minutes in the AHL, get him power play minutes. The center season is in the tank. Get him power play minutes and top line minutes in the NHL. Why not? The... The Belleville Senators, I don't look who's going to be playing beside there. He's not going to be with guys at his level. He's not going to be able to put himself above where his game is because he's playing down to players that he's playing with, unfortunately. So get Colin White back in an NHL sweater and get him get him with some experience with these guys because hopefully Hoffman and Duchesne stick around for a while. And he develops chemistry with them throughout the years. What's tough, though, is we just had a conversation with another inside source, and he was saying that the situation within the organization is so tough because even down to the East Coast League, the Brampton Beast are struggling right now out of a playoff spot. Belleville out of a playoff spot. Ottawa out of a playoff spot. So the season really feels over. So it's tough to come in and make those fresh changes when – Nobody really has anything to play for. So I think that's what a huge cause is where everyone's just kind of staying put, making sure everything just kind of fizzles out the way it is right now. I only really have one opinion on this, on the lineup for the what last 20 games of the season. I don't want to see Alex Burroughs in a uniform again. He's on the fourth line at yeah, practice. Yeah, will. And it's almost a nice tank move. In a way, we're like I mentioned last episode, we're up against elite tanking teams here. We've already seen Jack Eichel shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, we've seen like these teams know how Price to do it. Price and Weber are out indefinitely, too. Montreal's going for that tank, yeah. And with Vancouver's goaltending, you can always bank on Jakob Markstrom and Anders Nielsen to give up at least, at least two bad goals a game. So, uh, it's it's really going to be tough out there to be dead last. And the Arizona Coyotes are just perennial tanking champions. So uh, it's almost like they're due for that first overall pick. They've been close, but they never seem to grasp onto that that Edmonton Oiler pick. But there there is 20 games left in the NHL, a few more down in Belleville. So now an award-winning segment on the farm. Down on the farm. It's time to check in on the Belleville Senators. 
The tough season continues in Belleville, currently on a five-game skid, including two losses in the last three games to Bingo, the Binghamton Devils now, I think they're called. Yeah, but they had an elite talent in the lineup for one of those games. That helps. Corey Schneider is a pretty good goaltender. But exciting news did break yesterday for this new franchise. The Belleville Senators will be on national television for the first time ever on March 24th against the Toronto Marlies here in Toronto. I think we should go to that game, boys. Oh, thanks for the invite. I'll be there. Cool. Philip Schlappick scored his eighth goal of the season last night. He's got that was on Schneider, too. Way to go, bud. 23 points on the season. Lots of word coming out of that, out of Belleville right now, saying eight points, 23, or eight goals, 23 points seems kind of low, but it looks like he's creating every night, which is a good thing, and he's definitely been the most pro-ready guy on that roster consistently this season. But uh, let's go to junior hockey. Take a look around. We've got some... Uh, oh, sorry. Sticking in Belleville. Pillar. I know you'll be interested in this. Dreger, Hogberg. Did the old switcheroo. Dreger down, Hogberg back to Belleville. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, my heart kind of sank a little bit when I saw the notification saying Marcus Hogberg sent back down to the East Coast Hockey League to play with the Beast. I thought this was going to be another long stint of him being gone. He only played one game down there. Played pretty well, actually. Only let in one goal uh, on 31 shots, so that's nice. And good news is Hogberg's back up with the Belleville Sens. Hopefully, this is the last time he gets sent back down to the East Coast Hockey League and he stays up in Belleville for the remainder of the season. Well, he should. His numbers in Brampton are just absurd. He's too talented for that league. You don't go from the Swedish Elite League as a 19, 20-year-old goaltender and play in the East Coast League. His numbers in the East Coast League in his last three starts, he's got three wins, which for the very poor Brampton team is exceptional. An average of one goal against per game and a 971 save percentage. And it's not like, yeah, exactly. The save percentage is incredible. Like the last game he played in the East Coast Hockey League was in December and he stopped 44 of 45 shots. Like he's proving that he's too good to be playing there. And I really like uh, Philip Gustafson coming in because now that's going to push Hogberg a lot more. He He's not going to have any room to be complacent. I mean, not that he did already. They're shipping him up and down the lineup, putting other teams' goaltenders in the crease instead of him. But this is really going to push him, especially a, another Swede who is, quite frankly, ranked higher than him and is is pipeline to be the future goaltender of the Ottawa Senators if everything goes goes well. So this can be some nice competition between the two Swedes in the years to come. Now let's take a look at junior hockey where Logan Brown had a big night last night, two goals and two assists. Guys, it's 200th OHL goal of his career. Four seasons down there. I really think he's going to be a difference maker in the NHL. Even next season, friend of the show, Drake Batherson, 43 games played this year, 66 points, and a plus 10. You gotta like seeing the plus. Yeah, that's awesome, and uh, I will just correct, I'm sure it's just a Freudian slip, you meant to say 200th point in the OHL. Yes, Um, I'm sorry. And that was his first of four points, so now he sits 203 points. Have a a day, Logan Brown, he's been excellent since getting to Kitchener with 22 points in 13 games, plus 13. You can expect the Kitchener Rangers to make a deep run into the postseason, and maybe even in the Memorial Cup, where Logan Brown was featured last year with the Windsor Spitfires. And about 25 minutes away, Alex Formanton in London, Ontario. He's got 38 points and 39 games played and 45 pims. I was surprised to see that. A little bit of an edge to the speedster. So that's all we got for On the Farm, but 
That's Looking great. Good. And just an on the farm connection with Drake Batherson, his line mate in uh yeah. our, with the Armada rather. Uh Alex Barreboulet uh, has just been signed to an entry level deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. No idea how this guy didn't go drafted with 104 points in just over 50 games in the and, queue. And how did the Lightning get this guy of all teams? Well, they just traded all their prospects for McDonough. But what like what are the Coyotes <laughs> and Sabres doing not scouting a guy like this and trying to pick him up? And when it's the Lightning that are heading to the Cup and they pick up a great prospect like that, I, it just blows my mind that the Lightning were the team that got the scoop on him. And they didn't even give up all their prospects. They still have Taylor Radish. Oh, I know. My my tongue was firmly in my cheek when I said that. Matthew Do- Joseph, Mitchell Stevens, Pekka. and Anthony Sorelli just got called up today for the first time in his career. Uh, Barre Boulet leads the Quebec League with 104 points, just a casual 15 over second place. He also has 49 goals, eight more then second place. An interesting note, uh, if this tank's going to continue, the 2020 projected first overall pick. So not this draft, not next draft, but the following one, Alexis Lafreniere, if I'm pronouncing that right, for the Ramouski Oceanic. So similar situation, Sidney Crosby. He's 16 years old. Listen to this. He's got 41 goals on the year in the Quebec League. So that is pretty sickening. He's the first player since Sidney Crosby to reach that milestone as a 16-year-old. We are so far off track. The only thing that could make it weirder is if we go right to Prairie Fire. It's time for Prairie Fire. Back. That's two weeks in a row, boys. It's good to be back. Birdie! Hey, hey, boys. All right, so the last couple have been kind of depressing on Prairie Fire because there's been a lot of Eric Carlson questioning, is he going to go? But he stayed for now. So today, Seattle, they had a ticket launch, and they did pretty darn good. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. So this one's a little more fun. Around the horn, guys, speculative team names for an NHL franchise in Seattle. I've been pushing for this one real hard, and you have been. <laughs> the Seattle Tsunamis. That <laughs> just sounds so good. It's not true alliteration, but it's phonetic alliteration. It just comes off off the tongue nicely. I I've been struggling to picture what kind of logo they would have. Like a, just one big wave isn't really that cool. So Seattle Tsunamis for me is the one that gets it. I'll let one of you two take uh, the clear second place though. Well, I just want to hop in on that. And how cool would like party wave t-shirts like when you're doing the wave around the arena? The, the with, wave, with yeah. Twenty-seven. That, that could bring the wave back, right? Twenty-seven thousand season ticket holders doing the wave around Seattle. No game day tickets for sale. Season tickets are bust. <laughs> I think the the key here is we have to consider the color scheme will be the the classic Seattle color scheme. Yeah, the, it's got to be the green, the blue, and the white. Just like the Thunderbirds, just like the Seahawks, just like the Mariners and the Supersonics and the NBA might be on its way back to Seattle as well. But I believe the NHL is much further along in their process to get a team there. Um, I I love the Kraken. It's that's the Kraken Kraken. gets it for me because the logo would be so awesome. And how has Uh, no one used the Kraken name and logo yet? Sponsorship? How about getting a few bottles of the Kraken in? That'll get the party going. How about the Kraken, and then you just casually put a wave as your shoulder patch? Mm-hmm. Does that pass? And then you could be like, your fan base could be called the Tsunami because they come into your city and they just yeah. put it all underwater. Yeah, this non-existent NHL team, I heard their their fans really travel well. 
So that, that's really <laughs> cool for them. <laughs> but what I love about Seattle and why I think they can be successful is there's so much invested in Seattle. If you think Starbucks headquarters there, Amazon's there, there's just so much money to, to be had in that marketplace. I'm shocked that the NHL nor the NBA is involved. What's your name there, Chris? I didn't even go there. The business side with it, that's that's impressive that you knew that. Well, how about Microsoft? Yeah. I mean, another thing I didn't know about. But honestly, I'm down with both of those names. I didn't even have one off the dome. I was thinking, like, I don't know, if you wanted to bring, like, I don't know. They kind of have old teams. It'd be kind of cool if they did a spin on the Sonics. No, you got to save that for the basketball team. I just The basketball I, team still has the rights to that. Like, it's, it's pretty much set. If basketball comes back, they're going to be the Supersonics. Kevin Durant maybe go there again? We're getting off topic. I'm going with the Tsunami. Yes. No, you can't take a double. Just take a look at the list, man. Are you kidding me? You're just going to piggyback off a pillar? The Tsunami, is that good? We've had prior conversations about this, Ross. How about the Sockeyes on the Pacific Ocean? The Seals would be cool. The Seattle Seals. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you guys all had some decent answers, but they were all wrong. The correct answer we were looking for is keep the Thunderbirds. Don't wreck. Don't fix what no. ain't broken. That's such a good name. They've got a good logo. No, it's such a, a Western Canada. Well, no, you they, need to move on. It's a new dub, franchise. Harley. They do play in the dub, buddy. I, I know. So, guys, lots of teams made moves at the deadline. Some stayed inactive, and some teams, they're going to hit the free lottery as players are coming back from injury. Some teams like the Nashville Predators are going to get a player from overseas in the form of Ellie Tolvin and at some point in their playoff run. Hey, shout out Mike Fisher signed a contract as well. Yeah, Fish. but Fish is still going to be playing games and was retired up to this point. So, guys, I, all right. Uh, all right. I'm not going to fight you guys on this. If you want to say Fish, you can say Fish. So, the freebie acquisitions for teams, who's going to have the biggest impact? Chris Kelly with the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> No, that was uh, firmly tongue-in-cheek as well. Um, I do love what Eli Tolvanen brings in terms of Nashville. Nine points in five games at the Olympics. He was passed on many teams at the NHL draft. This guy was a top 10 projected pick. And then his marks slipped in school. He lost his scholarship to Boston College. And teams were a little nervous about that. So he went to the KHL, although he's playing for the Finnish team there. Finnish native, of course. And he is absolutely tearing up that league as an 18-year-old. Um, my vote goes to Mike Fisher. This guy is not far re- removed from being in the Stanley Cup Finals with this team. He's a big uh, part of the Nashville organization now. He was their number one center in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. I think Fisher slides in to uh, the Predators roster nicer than a lot of these other guys. And I think he can have a big role as a depth center in a long playoff run. To be honest with you, I didn't really understand the question, so I'm going to go a different way with this. Uh, when teams like Winnipeg and L.A. get guys like Jeff Carter and Mark Shifley back, it's like adding a huge piece at the deadline, but they're just coming off of injury, and both those teams That's are... That's what he meant. Okay, cool. I'm right on track then. Mark <laughs> Shifley and Jeff Carter. You kind of steer, steered back and forth through the lanes on that one, but you made it. You got to your destination. All right, boys, last one here. Not a question for Around the Horn, but just a statement. Wanted to... Uh, Give a shout-out to a friend and mentor of the show, Roger Lejoie, a prof here at CSM. Uh, last day at the school after 10 years, so all the best in all your future endeavors, Raj. And, boys, thanks for having me back. I will be back next time with another friendly edition of P-Fire. Thank you very much, Brendan. And thank you to Roger Lejoie, a absolute mentor of the show. He'll be happy to tell you he's had 3,000 315 shows on the Fan 590, as well as doing a whole lot of stuff 
around the sports media world. So we were lucky to learn from him for the past year and a half and uh, we be- wish him the best of luck in his uh, future endeavors. And we also want to acknowledge a player of the month for the Ottawa Senators in February, and that's going to be Matt Duchesne, averaging almost 20 minutes a game, really the clear-cut number one center on this team, 14 points in 14 games. That guy is electric out of the corners, hands in tight to his body. So much fun to watch. Yeah, and almost further why Mike Hoffman should be an Ottawa Senator. The chemistry that they've created is Exceptional. Couple big tank games coming up on the schedule for the Ottawa Senators after they play the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas with two days off on the strip. You can bet your house that Vegas is going to win that one. Then they go to Arizona for the tank game. Then it's on to see their old friends, Jason Spezza and Mark Mathot, in Dallas before coming home for another important tank game. They're hosting the Buffalo Sabres. That's it for us. We're off on vacation for the next week so we'll see you back for making sense of the sends when we come back from the heart of enemy territory in downtown toronto for chris parliament brandon pillar and brandon purdy i'm ross levitan take care and embrace the tank